This morning around 8.15 or 8.20, there began a series of massive airstrikes in the heart of Kyiv, including to a park, including to a busy intersection during rush hour. Missy Ryan is a national security correspondent for The Washington Post. She's on the ground in Kyiv. This morning, Russian forces dropped missiles there and across other major Ukrainian cities, like Kharkiv and Lviv. The attack comes after a relatively calm summer in Kyiv. Some of the vibrancy of the city had slowly started to return. Restaurants had opened up, and kids were playing at the park. But today, that changed. And it really was this very jarring moment for a city that... Even though Ukraine is in the midst of a war, Kyiv has really been very quiet and relatively normal. And so this brings home the fact that it remains an incredibly volatile situation and really puts Kyiv back at the center of this escalating conflict between Russia and Ukraine. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Arjun Singh. It's Monday, October 10th. Today, what Russia's attacks on Ukraine could mean for the future of the war. We were out maybe 90 minutes after the first airstrike struck this morning, and we went to the site of the first series of strikes, and uh, we saw mangled cars that had been burned out at an intersection with no apparent target. There was no military target nearby, as far as we know. This was an intersection in the very heart of Kyiv, right next to a university and the education ministry. Uh, Right next to that, there was a park. Um, I was actually walking through the park yesterday, and there were children playing at a playground. Now, according to the video we've seen from that park, there's a massive crater next to uh, the playground. And uh, we also saw buildings with glass blown out of the windows. There is, you know, this work of cleanup that, you know, I think Ukrainians have gotten accustomed to over the course of these months. They're now accustomed to going down into shelters, to coming up when the air raid sirens are off, and then trying to move on with their lives. We also were able to visit a metro station, and there were hundreds of people who had taken shelter deep underground in a metro station. The one we visited was right near the city's central train station. And many of these people had sought shelter there. The metro stations are known as sort of the safest place in Kyiv because they're so protected. Um, and, you know, you had people down there with their luggage, their children. Uh, we saw a couple pets in little carriers. You know, I think people came down there not knowing how long they were going to have to shelter. Um, and people voiced different things. We talked to a couple people who had just returned to Kyiv, thinking that the city was safe enough now for them to resume their lives, bring their children and elderly parents back. And so some of them were, you know, voicing distress, you know, that this wasn't what they had expected. But we also heard sort of defiance from many other residents we talked to who have become a little bit, you know, hardened themselves to to this over the course of the months um, since February, since the invasion began. And those people told us, you know, as, as difficult as this is and as frightening as it is, they don't intend to leave Kyiv. They are fully aware that Putin has promised there could be additional airstrikes of these kind, but they are prepared to stay in the city that's their home. 
you know, for me, who has been following along, at least in media reports, it had felt a little bit like the tide was turning in this war in Ukraine's favor a little bit. Things had not necessarily gotten back to normal in Kyiv, but people were starting to resume life. Diplomats were coming. Can you first just catch us up a little bit on what was the state of the Ukraine war prior to the events of Monday? And how does this change the calculus of the war? How does this change the way that the Ukrainian government, Western allies, and even Russia are now looking at the state of the war? Yeah, there's no doubt this is a significant escalation. So the war has been going on um, since February, as everyone knows. And, you know, there had been airstrikes in the beginning of the war around Kyiv as Russian forces were trying to take the capital. They failed. And since then, it's really been going on in a pretty intense way, but in the central part of the country, in the eastern part of the country. And about five weeks ago, the Ukrainian government launched a counteroffensive against Russia in an attempt to recapture areas that were occupied by Russia. And they've been pretty successful, I think more successful than many people expected. They've pushed into areas in eastern and southern Ukraine. And that's really given them a sense of momentum, a sense that they can actually force Putin and Russian forces potentially out of Ukraine, um, despite the, the massive challenges that would face them in doing so. But all of that happening well away from Kyiv has, has, you know, allowed a certain amount of distance, I think, for the, the millions of people who live here. And, you know, the fact that this is happening now just, I think, brings it home in a different way and obviously has implications since the government is here. This is days after there was a major explosion on a bridge that links occupied Crimea, um, which was annexed illegally by Russia in 2014 to mainland Russia. And so it appears to be a retaliation for that. And the people I talked to in, in Kyiv today, you know, basically said that they expected Russia to take these kind of attacks whenever it could. They expressed pretty strong support for the government. And, you know, I think people are sort of hardening themselves for what's ahead. After the break, how Russian and Ukrainian leaders are responding to the attack. We'll be right back. Missy, has Russian President Vladimir Putin spoken publicly about the attack, or has he provided a justification for why it happened? Why is he now starting to target Kyiv when it seemed like he hadn't been for a long time? Yeah, well, it's pretty clear this is a reprisal for the incident that happened on Saturday at the bridge. There was a massive explosion that crippled this 12-mile bridge that links Crimea to Russia, and it had been a sort of personal project um, that Putin had really invested in himself in. It was a $4 billion project. He personally opened it in 2018. And the fact that there was this explosion on Saturday morning that, you know, sent some of this concrete bridge tumbling into the, the Kerch Strait was seen as a big blow to Russia, you know, not just a blow in terms of logistics, because the Russian military had used this bridge to bring in you know, personnel and material and all of that, but symbolically, because this was supposed to be a symbol of Russia's control of Crimea, of Russia's ambition to take greater control of Ukraine. 
And so obviously this really angered the Russian government. And we heard today from Putin, you know, who held a meeting with security officials in in Russia with the government sort of boasting of this military operation, this massive strike that he talked about. Ответы со стороны России будут жесткими и по своим масштабам будут соответствовать уровню угроз, создаваемых Российской Федерацией. And they said that they use precision weaponry to hit critical infrastructure in Kyiv. Um, those may have been the targets, but certainly what I saw today in downtown Kyiv was not a military target. And uh, they have also hit civilian sites very clearly. And what about the Ukrainian government? Has President Zelensky addressed Ukrainians or responded to what happened today yet? Zelensky and his aides have addressed the, the Ukrainian people repeatedly today. They've urged them to stay in shelters. They have appealed to people to, you know, hold faith with the government. They have also used this as a moment to intensify their calls for greater assistance, military assistance from the West, um, and especially air defense equipment. From what we know, there were a number of missiles that were shot down. Um, this is according to preliminary information we have um, from the Ukrainian military. There were a number of missiles that were shot down by Ukrainian forces, but obviously a number of them got through. And so this is something the Ukrainian government is using to say, hey, Western countries, Europe, the United States, give us more air defenses. We need to protect our capital. There were strikes in other cities in 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 Ukraine as well today in, in Kharkiv and Lviv. So clearly the air defense network is not what it needs to be to keep Ukrainian cities safe. And what about those Western allies, the UK, the US, France? Have they responded to these attacks as well? Are there any plans to escalate their involvement in Ukraine or arms shipments or humanitarian aid? I think it's it's early to say whether there'll be a significant change in the, you know, military posture. We have to remember that Ukraine is not a member of the NATO alliance, so there's no requirement for countries like France, Germany, the United States, and Canada to come to Ukraine's defense. But certainly those countries have been supplying weapons, and I do think that this could accelerate weapons deliveries and potentially affect the kinds of weapons and military equipment that is being given to Ukraine. I think this is a very clear rationale for additional air defense equipment, the kind that they haven't gotten so far. And we've seen expressions of support from all of those countries. Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba has been on the phone with ministers from the West, as has President Zelensky. And I think that, you know, this is being depicted in Europe as, um, you know, another aggression by Russia. And I don't think it's going to do anything but um, intensify the desire to, to assist Ukraine at this moment. Although, you know, of course, there's fear of escalation and it's something that everybody is going to be keeping in mind because Putin in recent weeks has made repeated reference and the aides around him have made repeated reference to uh, Russia's nuclear weapons. It had really seemed, at least when you're reading media about this, that things were starting to go in Ukraine's direction and they were really being able to push back these Russian troops. For you, Missy, as someone who's been observing this conflict, what are you looking at going forward and how do the events of Monday change or impact the way that you're thinking about this? Yeah, well, what I'm going to be looking for immediately is whether or not the strikes continue 
in Kyiv, you know, the the precipitating event for this wave of attacks that occurred today seems to have been the incident on the Crimea Bridge. So I'm going to be looking to see whether or not Russia has decided that this is, you know, the retaliation that they wanted to launch to send a signal, or whether this is the beginning of a sort of ongoing standoff air campaign on Ukrainian cities. And the other thing I'm going to be looking for is how quickly Ukraine's supporters in the West respond and whether or not this um, results in any material change in the kinds of things that Ukraine has been asking for and not getting for months, which include tanks, as I said, greater air defenses, and also fighter jets. Missy, thank you so much for joining us from Kyiv. Thank you. Missy Ryan covers diplomacy and national security for The Post. Rennie Svirnovsky produced and mixed this story. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was edited by Ariel Plotnik. I'm Arjun Singh. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. <laughs>